Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Brent, and with me is the no fruit eating forest and the no vegetable eating Dylan. Oh, so, I get it. Really this is the compound adjectives coming lazy. from Brent. That's like the second time I've done the compound. Yes, hyphenated. Yeah, well, yeah, I can see a liberal like Brent liking hyphenated words. That's that's all of them. They love their hyphens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we want to tell our listeners to, again, we, we want to point you guys to merch.nundarecallitordinary.com where you can get all of your needs, your mugs, your hats. Okay, not hats. We should get hats. But yeah, sadly, no get, hats. But know, I'm a little I'm hats. a little sad no one has bought the wall tapestry. I don't see why you wouldn't want a gigantic rug with our faces on it. I mean, what's not you to walk like? all over us? You could, yeah, you could literally run. tread on us. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got some more merch images coming up uh, soon too, which I think you all love. So, yeah. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. We've got a fun one that's going to be coming out soon. So check the store out. You will love this new one. All right. So what are we talking about today, Brent? Well, thanks for asking for us. Um, we are talking about Extreme Diets Part 2, The Carnivore Diet. Ooh. The Carnivore Diet is an exclusively meat-only diet. It's a blend of both the keto diet and the paleo diet. It's also been called a zero-carb diet because observers of this diet avoid all carbs at all costs. At all Fruits costs. At all costs. <laughs> costs if they have to kill their family to avoid eating one piece of whole wheat toast they will do it oh yeah oh yeah fruits and veggies cooked or even uncooked yeah that fruits prohibited are remember though they cannot even potentially be cooked that's right that's right i did say that false thing and i'm glad i did i'm standing by it no such thing as pies so fruits and veggies are prohibited in this diet some on this diet eat eggs and limited dairy products, while others go so far as to only consume beef, salt, and water. Oh, yeah. And we'll get into that later. So just think of it this way. It's basically the polar opposite of veganism. The carnivore diet gained momentum on social media and YouTube and hasn't really looked back since. But first, let's get into some of the problems of an all-meat diet. And Dylan has more to say about that. Yes, I do. And maybe, just maybe, that problem is really a solution. Ooh. So one concern you might have with undertaking a carnivore diet, a pure meat based diet, is how you'll manage to take a shit more than once every month or so. You might be worried about that because after all, no carbohydrates means no fiber. And isn't fiber a vital part of gastrointestinal health? Of course it isn't, you idiots. <laughs> In fact... Your gastrointestinal stress is caused by all that bran cereal sprinkled with chia seeds you've been downing with black coffee to try to stay somewhat regular every morning. Oh, that's what I've been doing. I know, I know. So in fact, the all meat diet is your ticket to your tummy feeling good. Ooh. And you can learn all this and more from one Constantine Monastirsky and his 2008 book, Fiber Menace. The truth about the leading role of fiber in diet failure, constipation, hemorrhoids, irritable bowel syndrome, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, and colon cancer. Yes, that is the entire title of the book. 
but the shills at Amazon cut it off at hemorrhoids and just put etc. Because I guess they couldn't bother with the entire title. I just hope no one with colon cancer is searching for a dietary cure for their colon cancer and stumble across this book on Amazon. They would just move on to the next book. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's terrible. I, I, just, I don't know what Amazon is thinking. The Fiber Menace is uh, that's Darth Maul with his double edged <laughs> lightsaber traveling through your intestines. Really <laughs> fucking it up. Yeah, exactly. And it's soluble and insoluble. He's got both. <laughs> but who is this Monastirsky? Well, we don't want any established medical degrees getting in the way of nutritional truth. Well, don't worry, because Monastirsky is a self-taught nutritionist. Damn, Monastirsky is too good for even a diploma mill degree. That's impressive. To learn more about Monastirsky, we headed over to his website, gutsense.org, where you can find a handy biography. He informs us that in 1977, he got a pharmacy degree from a medical university. He even provides a very informative link about this particular university. Oh. And by very informative, I mean the link sends you to a page that says file not found. Oh. No, no, Dylan, file not found university is a top-notch pharmaceutical school. Their oh. website is just really minimalist. Oh, interesting. Now, despite getting a pharmacy degree, Mona Stierski decided to enter the world of high-tech finance, working for financial <laughs> banks like Goldman Sachs, and even developing his own computer program, Desktop Set, for a very young Windows 3.0. Modus Tierski's carnivore journey, though, began in 1996 when he developed type 2 diabetes and carpal tunnel syndrome. The latter was especially important to his journey because, quote, unable to use the keyboard, I turned my attention back to medicine. And I mean, this is even more evidence that he's a self-taught nutritionist because you can't do much research without doing any typing. Mm-hmm. In only two years, he completely recovered from diabetes and carpal tunnel syndrome. Due to his success, he opted to leave tech behind and become a forensic nutritionist full time. You know, after this miraculous recovery, I really think he missed his true calling as a court stenographer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What I really like is how dive into the typing. It was the carpal tunnel syndrome that prevented him from continuing his tech work. And then as soon as he cures it, he's like, "Ah, I don't want to do that anyway. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of (laughs) bizarre. But Monastirsky's health journey really began earlier in 1984. After he quit smoking, he developed a nasty case of irritable bowel syndrome. And if I've learned anything from the TV show House, I know that nicotine is effective against IBS. So this all actually checks out. Peer reviewed show. This confused Monastirsky because he wasn't just some overweight schlub. He couldn't afford to be since he needed to walk his dog a, quote, graceful Russian wolfhound who needed vigorous workouts to keep him healthy and happy. You know, what's even more important than keeping Russian wolfhounds healthy and happy is keeping them graceful. Oh, you yeah. never want to stop these workouts. You do not want to see an inelegant Russian wolfhound. No. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of having pretty. a Russian wolfhound if it's just going to be mm-hmm. ungraceful and inelegant? It, it's it's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> yeah, plus, I mean, once they, once they become inelegant, they start working at troll farms, and it's just awful. So. <sighs> Yeah, no one wants any of that. No. Convinced that something unusual was going on, Monastirsky consulted a, quote, Manhattan doctor who prescribed more fiber, more Mm. water, and more exercise. And I hope by now our listeners know what Manhattan doctor is a euphemism for. I think, you know, we know what he's trying to say. A problem that might be foremost. I don't know. It might be foremost. It might be. 
After this fiber water exercise prescription, you might imagine that the author of Fiber Menace that we kind of know what happened next, but actually his constipation vanished. Ooh, it seems he was cured. But sadly, two years later in 1986, Monastirsky developed hemorrhoids. Another doctor prescribed even more fiber, water, and exercise. Advice he dutifully followed, but his condition continued to worsen. Two more years, and a third doctor diagnoses Monastirsky with IBS and prescribes, you guessed it, fiber, water, and exercise. Reflecting on his gastrointestinal nightmare later on in the present, Monastirsky, he wasn't surprised in the least because this prescription, it was the medical establishment's, quote, absurd gold standard protocol. It's just what they had to do. And to prove his point, he links to a National Institute of Health article where the phrase gold standard protocol appears nowhere. So I'm not sure what we're supposed to do with this. Well, this must be what Dr. Ron Paul is talking about. And it's Dr. Dr. Ron Paul is talking about when he speaks about going back to the gold standard or fiber water exercise. That makes sense. I like I like a fiber currency, fiber coin. (laughs) That's what we really need. Yeah. Shit coin. (laughs) Everything but Bitcoin is a shit coin. Just remember that. And once again, two more years pass and the hemorrhoids pain and discomfort remain. But it was the 90s now by this point. And Mona Stierski had enough. Enough. Quote, I gave up on the doctors and went to Barnes and Noble, a favorite, quote, research venue for take charge individuals before the advent of the Internet. And I don't know why he put research in quotes. That's what we should be doing. Not him. Exactly. And I actually should have just put it should have just been research venue, maybe in quotes, because we all know Barnes and Noble exists strictly as a hub for black slime bathroom growth. That's pretty much the only thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, one day, yeah, yeah. one day, we'll have a bonus episode on our dark days of working at Barnes and Noble and the black slime. <laughs> we'll come to you live from that bathroom. Room. Yeah. And those those days were dark because, I mean, the place was covered in black slime and, you know, that's all you could see. <laughs> yep. Monastirsky became inspired by a book we talked about in the previous episode, Fit for Life, which advocates a vegetarian diet centered around certain food combos. For example, eating protein with non-starchy vegetables is a good combo while eating protein with starchy vegetables like potatoes is a bad combo. And of course, Monastirsky instantly recovered and never had try. Oh, wait. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misread this. Uh, let me uh, let me go back to it. Quote, I willingly embrace this, quote, promising approach. And by 1994, I was 24 pounds overweight, clinically depressed and suffering from a whole range of degenerative conditions specific to type two diabetes. The situation with IBS Constipation and hemorrhoids degenerated too. Thankfully, Monastirsky provides two passport pictures 10 years apart to prove his point. I guess he doesn't have any friends who are taking his photo like in this entire decade, but you know, that's all he's got. And also, I don't mean to judge, you know, I, you know, I don't want to accuse Monastirsky of anything, but I suspect the main culprit for many of his issues might be explained in the very next sentence of his bio, quote, All along, I kept loading up on carb-heavy juices, fruits, vegetables, breads, rice, and pasta. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, as always, as always, do your own research. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to deprive you of that opportunity to figure out what really caused exactly. his ailments. All this came to a head in 1996, when Monastirsky passed out from low blood sugar 
while waiting at a stoplight. It was then, and only then, that he decided to, quote, research his problems in earnest. I don't know what he was doing before then. I would, I thought, but yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This new research led him to abandon vegetarianism and adopt his gluten-free, fiber-free, and low-carb diet. His IBS vanished almost immediately, though he admits the constipation and hemorrhoids got worse. Well, when God closed the door, he opens a window. Yeah, sadly, the window was not his asshole. That's the problem. And by 1998, his diabetes was gone, along with, quote, sky-high triglycerides, erratic blood pressure, chronic colds and infections, painful gout and arthritis, debilitating carpal tunnel syndrome, chronic fatigue, migraines, insomnia, irritability, and depression. All Jesus gone. Christ. That guy was a mess. And most importantly, his biography ends with a cartoon of his cats holding forks and knives while Mona Stierski reads the following out loud from two entire pages. He is holding, quote, boys, no dry food in our house. And I was very confused why like this all of a sudden came up, but I like it because my mom also refers to her two cats as the boys. So I can kind of relate to this. Oh, proud boys. No, there's nothing proud about those precious meats. You find out in the Q&A that we're going to kind of uh, come to later that instead uh, he feeds his cats organic canned food, raw minced beef or organic liver every other day and wheatgrass. They also barely drink water. One of his cats drinks no water at all, but his cat Nozick used to enjoy flat Pellegrino. <laughs> what? Yeah. My cat much prefers a flat day old Perrier. But well, you know. To each his own. All right. So let's get into it because, you know, that's all boring and dumb. We know we, we clearly we have the evidence. Mona Stierski cured his diabetes and cured his IBS. So how did he do it? What is he eating? We know he's a carnivore, but let's get into the specifics. And on the website, he provides a short description of what he calls the longevity diet which I have to admit is difficult to find and is definitely not a replacement for fiber menace. According to Mona Stierski, you got to buy that book. It's very important. How convenient. But I was able to find, I was able to dig through and find an 18 point diet plan. And not all of these are what you would consider a kind of standard thing to include on a diet plan. One extended and exclusive breastfeeding. Any woman who wants kids better prepare in advance, otherwise her breast milk is going to suck. On the other hand, women who eat the longevity diet can, quote, breastfeed numerous children without any apparent damage. Oh, well, that's nice and completely scientific. Completely. Two, high mineral content water. Sadly, civilization has destroyed our precious bodily fluids, but at least we can drink mineral water. Under no circumstances should you drink tap water. Just throw it away. And as I understand it, I think tap water typically has more mineral content than the bottled waters the you bottle. buy in stores. Oh, yeah. But again. that might be what you understand, but it is, in fact, false. Oh. Pellegrino only. Oh, okay. Three, avoid overhydration. Besides water from food, you only need about two to four glasses of water a day. Of course, Mona Stierski admits this is a complicated subject, so maybe you should buy his book, Fiber Menace. Ah. He has to to put that in there every chance he gets. Four, frequent nutrition. Just, you know, eating a bunch of small meals a day, kind of standard stuff. All right, now let's get into the real, let's get into the foods. Five, natural meat from small grazing animals. 
He specifically recommends Australian, New Zealand, and Icelandic lamb. So like a little lamb? Like a Mary certified little lamb? Mm. Sorry. That, well, that joke is for our Lady of God fans. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I listening. mean, all, all one of our one of the guy who writes that website. <laughs> Six. Consumption of organ meats from free range grazing animals. Can can these grazing animals be regular size or they have to also be small? Oh, that's a good point. Amazing. I don't yeah. know. It's on. It's doesn't say on the website, but what he does say is that, you know, he recognizes that people are kind of creeped out by organ meat. And so instead you could take, quote, high grade supplements to obtain your daily requirements for vitamin A, vitamin B12, Folate, niacin, choline, riboflavin, iron, copper, selenium, and zinc. These are the vitamins and supplements that are abundant in liver. Seven, fowl, chicken, duck, geese, and turkey are all great, but don't go to a strictly fowl diet or you'll miss out on iron and B12, maybe B15. He doesn't really talk about that. Eight, eggs, specifically the yolks. But remember that, quote, hard-boiled yolk fried in omelets is nutritionally useless. So make sure to eat yours intact. And I have to admit, I don't fully understand what this means. I think he's saying that the yolk and white shouldn't be mixed together like scrambled eggs, Mm. but a hard boiled yolk and a hard boiled egg is still intact. So who knows what he's trying to say? I wouldn't know. I only eat Cadbury eggs, which always have their yolks intact. Oh yeah. That's, 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 I mean, that's the diet I'm on. That's the way to go. That's the healthy diet. Nine, beef and pork. Beef is merely acceptable. And pork is important to the Okinawan longevity diet, which he never talks about again. But for the (laughs) regular old longevity diet, it's merely fine. So, you know, not the best source of meat. He wants you to eat that lamb from Iceland. But, you know, it's okay. Ten, fermented dairy from free-range animals. Whole milk is no good for you because you ain't no cow, baby. Mm -hmm. Instead, find quality free-range milk preferably raw and make fermented dairy on your own. Do it yourself. Yeah. yeah who cares if the FDA says raw milk? Let's be free of the tyranny of pasteurization. Exactly. Exactly. You need to, to, to use your Liberty to make your own fermented dairy. 11 year round exposure to UV rays. Sadly, he also mentions that this is almost impossible. So just take a vitamin D supplement instead. 12, and this might be the most important, no exposure to antibiotics and antibacterial drugs at all. It fucks with your gut flora permanently. If you've ever taken an antibiotic, you are fucked. Yep. <laughs> permanently. There's no permanently. way to re- reverse it. Yeah. Just to be clear, if you go on longevity diet, you can make it better, but it'll never be as good as it could have been, sadly. 13, consumption of fatty fish, preferably raw, again, because heat destroys essential fatty acids. Also destroy, it also destroys pathogens, but who gives a fuck? Well, actually, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going to talk about like that. Pathogens raw. We're going to talk about that because step 14 is cooking techniques. Oh. And he recommends, so I, you know, I just really want to quote this in full, especially based on our last episode, because he talks about that exact issue. Quote. This subject is beyond the scope of this essay. It goes without saying that raw is always more nutritious than rare, rare more than medium, medium more than well done, and well done, for the most part, is nutritionally useless. That said, foods, particularly from the supermarket, 
should be cooked well and to the indicated temperature. Oh. The immediate risk of food poisoning may exceed the risk of longer-term nutrient deficiency. This is where the supplements become useful again. Cook safely, eat risk-free, and compensate for missing nutrients with supplements to prevent malnutrition. Oh. Okay. So look, he is a moderate here. Good. He also forgot to mention his book. I, I think he should have thrown that in there at the end. Yeah, he probably did. I just didn't include it. Who knows? 15. Lower requirements for nutrients. Because you're eating such nutritious food, you'll need a lot less in terms of nutrients. You won't have to think too much about it. But if you are the type that likes to work hard and play hard, all you got to do is cram some more supplements into all well, your holes and you'll be just fine. Well, just don't, yeah, just don't forget the buckwheat honey before you commence with the cramming in the holes. Yeah, I don't know about buckwheat honey. That's carbohydrates uh, or, you know, that's sugars. We, we don't want that. That's true. 16. Negligible dietary fiber. I mean, the guy wrote Fiber Menace after all, and so it, quote, goes without saying. <laughs> it goes without saying, but he wrote a whole book about it and make sure to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it goes without saying after writing the book, I guess. Yeah. Did he say that, though? Did he plug the book again? I don't remember. Oh! I, I can't keep track of all the times he plugs the damn book. 17. Moderate consumption of salt. But you might hear that and you might be like, look, I'm scared of salt. I thought it was bad like for you. Losers like Brant are scared of salt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fucking Brant with his heart salt. problems. <laughs> triggered. But Mona Stierski reminds you that when you go to the ER, they put you on a saline drip that is chock full of salt. So, quote, get over it and do what the doctors do to stabilize the critically sick. Consume salt in moderation. It'll do your body good. But what? No mention of pepper? Don't leave us hanging here. No, you don't need pepper. That's bullshit. Okay. And lastly, 18, moderate consumption of wine. Thankfully, though, you don't have to drink wine to be healthy. So I'm off the hook there. Yeah, just Bud Light seltzers. Oh, yeah. That's all I drink. Now, this is the longevity diet. But one thing to note is that it's kind of a sellout diet. It's a cheapskate diet. It's the closest thing to an, a truly optimal diet that most lazy slobs like us will actually consider taking up. In contrast, Monastirsky also describes the truly optimal diet, what he calls basic nutrition. And it's pretty similar to the longevity diet with a few changes. First, water consumption is strictly well or spring water. No, just regular store-bought mineral water. You got to go to a well. You got to go to a spring and drink that raw, unprocessed water. Sounds convenient. So flat carbonated water is not allowed or? A hundred percent not allowed. You have to bring okay. Griffin to the well. Not even allowed All to right. use a glass. That's fine. Second, no beef, pork, or fowl. Just the lamb and just fatty fish. Third, Real deal year-round UV exposure. You got to just stay outside all day. Sorry about that, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> Fourth, exclusively raw or low temperature cooking. So none of this being safe, avoiding pathogens, the real optimal diet. You just eat the raw meat. Oh God, where was this guy in the last episode? I don't know. He was. He deserves to be on that one. <sighs> and number five, my favorite liberal consumption of low alcohol wine and ales. Sorry, it turns out if you want to really be healthy, you also have to be an alcoholic. Fuck. Yeah, fuck that too. My consumption is patriotic and conservative. It's small amounts of Keystone Life. Oh, yeah. Very small. And now with the, you know, the true facts about his diet out of the way, we've got to mention his wife. The, the reason is that the primary evidence <laughs> 
that he provides is his personal recovery from IBS and diabetes. But he has another ace up his sleeve, his smoking hot wife. At the top of his Q&A, you'll find a picture of his wife with the following note, quote, Tatiana is just three months my junior and she doesn't hide her age. As you can judge from her picture on the left, why should she? I took this photo on August 24th of 2014, six months short of Tatiana's 60th birthday, and it's unretouched. But he doesn't want her smoking hot 60-year-old body to be the star of his fiber-free show. <laughs> After all, quote, we both realize that she is a walking billboard for my work, but refrain from exploiting her good looks and good fortune for the same reason I keep my own story out of my books. One person's health history and aging experience aren't representative of another's. And that's why he has a large photo of her at the top of his Q&A, because he <laughs> wants to keep her out of the health story. But enough of Monastirsky, because the real source of true knowledge about the carnivore diet comes from the one true source of all truth and knowledge, and that's social media. <laughs> and Brent has more to say about that. That's right. So there are some people on this carnivore diet who maybe are genuinely concerned about living a healthier lifestyle by cutting carbs or, you know, but a good portion of these carnies are they're really just in it for the trolling. Let's be honest. Mm. But who who are we trolling here? Well, it's obvious. The weak, pathetic vegan libtards, they're the enemies. These soy boys care about such sissy things as this planet, want to reduce their carbon footprint by reducing their meat consumption, blah, blah. We've heard it all before. So according to an article in BuzzFeed called Why Right-Wingers Are Going Crazy About Meat by Kelly Wheel, quote, meat is poised to be the next proxy battle in left-right culture war. Man, this is great. I'm glad yeah. we live in this society. And for the record, you know, I think as, as anyone who is a vegan or vegetarian knows, the ratio of annoying meat-eating bullshit God. to annoying vegan bullshit is at least 100 to 1, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, it's because vegans are too weak to come back. There's two. I yeah. Maybe that's the explanation. Yeah. Okay, so there are plenty of examples in the media. Of course, Fox News has a you know has jumped into the fight against the people who don't eat meat. Jesse Waters on his program Waterheads World invited a vegan guest to talk about her book on veganism while eating a steak in front of her. Oh, man, classy. That was very classic. It's journalism. She, uh, I actually just kind of wish she would just fought fire with fire and started eating a kale salad in front of him. That would have that would have shown him. I just like how this whole segment is so insensitive to raw food carnivores like Derek Nance. Like he's got to yeah, be triggered. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you got to like, interview Derek cook? Nance. And when he interviews, like when he's being interviewed, he's going to be eating rotten meat and he's just going to own <laughs> everybody. I mean, just I mean, how do you come back from that? I do want to point out that Jesse Waters is one of those douchebags that pops up the collar on his polo shirts. So nice. that's that's who we're dealing with. Yes. Um, I bet he's got all sorts of good ideas. Oh, I bet he does. He's got brilliant ideas. Also, I mean, speaking of Fox News and meat, I would imagine Fox News would actually be a big proponent of the raw meat diet, especially our mm. friend Pete Hegseth, who doesn't believe oh, that yeah. germs exist. And so it seems like right. a natural, <laughs> like a natural combo because that's supposed to be the big problem. But actually, pathogens don't <laughs> exist. So eat all the raw meat you want. Yeah, we it, should true. Get we need to introduce Derek Nance to him. Let's get this, uh, let's get them meeting, talking. So in a really stupid ad campaign from 2016, Ted Cruz cooks, quote, machine gun bacon, is what he calls it, by wrapping bacon around the barrel of a rifle and shooting a piece of paper a bunch. 
Grease starts dripping down all over the floor, but bacon was cooked and crews ate that bacon and the victims of gun violence were fucking owned. So oh, God, owned. I mean, the yeah. one thing you want on a uh, shooting range is you want a very slippery floor. I mean, that's really, that's what you want to see. <laughs> yeah, it really works. But yeah. what I love about this is that there's lots of talk, like especially kind of for conservative, this idea of like throwing red meat to your rabid base. Like that's a common phrase we use. <laughs> but Cruz, he opted to throw white meat to his audience, a slightly different strategy. Not only that, you know, I got to say, just hearing the description of this 2016 ad it just it's so nuanced and so just beautiful compared to the stuff we see today so yeah when back when we were civilized yep and dylan i think you mentioned this earlier shouldn't shouldn't have crews have really went all in and just done the pork the uh per pork bullets would have been uh yes exactly Um, if our listeners are unaware um i i i don't know if it was just one company but there was a company that made pork filled bullets uh the idea being that you shoot a terrorist a muslim terrorist and they can't go to heaven because they're filled with pork. Yep. I don't know if that's how it works, but that, that was the idea. And the idea came from our wonderful president. So much wrong with all of that, actually. So if you follow us on Instagram back when we hated ourselves and used social media, we posted a photo of Alex Jones holding up a large platter of meat with the caption, quote, celebrating Americana with some red meat. F you, Obama, <laughs> which that was a good time. This is actually not the best meat trolling Jones has contributed to society. According to the BuzzFeed article, quote, Alex Jones, after inexplicably taking off his shirt and eating a plate of meat during a 2017 Der Spiegel interview, dangled a sausage in front of the reporter and asked, want to suck? No, dude, she's German. She just wants to eat that sausage like a regular person. (laughs) That's what they do in Germany. Right. That makes sense. The fear right-wing meat eaters feel mirrors the same fear some of the same types of people have about gay marriage. The idea is that liberals are going to force straight men to get gay married because gay individuals want the right to marry the same-sex partners. The liberals are going to force the meat eaters to become vegans because vegans and vegetarians and others that want vegan and vegetarian options in stores and restaurants. Yeah, I mean, if I know anything about vegans... They definitely want red meat obsessed conservatives being forced to take up tables in their favorite vegan brunch spot. I know (laughs) that is exactly what they want. Fox News has perfected trolling on cable news, but trolling, let's be honest, is most home on the Internet. What? Really? No. I know, right? Say the most obvious thing. Make trolling analog again. According to the Daily Beast article, quote, Gab, a free speech, in quotes, social network that has found Favor with the far right hosts multiple groups for carnivores. A quick scroll through one group surfaced a Gab user who had posted a screenshot of himself telling an Indian man that he would not work with him, partially because, in his opinion, Indians' low red meat intake results in low productivity. I, I cannot believe someone on Gab, of all places, Prejudge someone before interacting with them. I know. I, 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 I like it makes no wow. sense. Wow, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I can't believe someone would do it on social media to begin with. But Gab, what's next? Eight I mean, yeah. Chan? I mean, my God, it's a dark day. It's a dark day, and not just because of the black slime. It's a dark day because oh, this yeah. is a terrible thing. Andrew Torba, Gab's founder, promotes the carnivore diet on Gab's Twitter account. (laughs) Of course he would. Yeah, Yeah, obviously. Torba told the Daily Beast, quote, there is a reason hipster beta males become vegan to be trendy (laughs) and for my social justice for animals. They have low T, low libido, are depressed and anxious and don't get the spiritual energy from red meat to make them an alpha male. 
an alpha Which, male would say all this. What a fucking idiot. Well, it makes sense. You know, that's why Yahweh really enjoyed all those lambs cooked on altars in the Old Testament. God craves that spiritual energy. No, no, you know? no. Let's be real. God just had a bad case of irritable bowel syndrome he needed to clear up. I mean, if there's one <laughs> thing we've learned, especially he needed those Icelandic lambs. Also, I just have to say that is the most that is like the perfect parody quote. It's it's hard to believe that he's not playing a character. Oh, yeah. It's almost like he's throwing red meat to his audience. <laughs> Continuing with the red meat quote. I'm not as strict as some of the more extreme carnivores, but I do oh, what follow a the mail. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. But I do follow the way of eating very closely. I do intermittent fasting 16 to 18 hour fasts and stick to animal products Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I allow, I allow myself a cheat meal or two, which still doesn't include any veggies or excess of greens, thank God. Typically, it's breaded boneless wings or maybe some fries with the meal. If I go beyond that and say, eat half a pizza, I'll feel like garbage for days after, so I just simply don't do it anymore. Which, strange, you know, on a strict carnivore diet, I would think that you could eat a meat lover's pizza and that would be okay. Or maybe maybe like a, you know, if the bread was made out of chicken wings or something, I don't know. <laughs> the fact that Pizza Hut hasn't made a pizza where the bread is just like mashed up chicken wings is really, I mean, <laughs> what are they doing? They like, just, uh, they I just saw they at will. the gym, they now have a kind of like a fried mozzarella crust pizza. So they're clearly <laughs> innovators. Just, Oh, I assume you mean like on the TV at the gym, not like someone brought it in there. No, it was on the TV at the gym, gym, like, you know, in between the like 15 Mike Bloomberg uh, (laughs) ads I see like in the hour I'm in the gym. They uh, also had time for the Pizza Hut. They're innovators on different ways to just annihilate your colon and clog your arteries that they're the greatest innovators at that. Yeah. And I just I want to see the all the meat crust. Like there's so much like cauliflower crust and all that kind of, you know, beta male stuff. I want to see a beef crust pizza. It'll happen. Yeah. Someone will do it. So Torba has, you know, on his cheat days over the weekends. But doesn't doesn't he, this guy know that weekends are for eating raw Shetland sheep brains? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I, I mean, again, we've already for. he's not in a, he's not. I'm not as strict as some of the more extreme carnivores. He's a beta. Who cares? He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Get Derek. I want Derek Nance on there. He should be running Gab, but he's too good for them. He eats rotten meat. You can't beat that. There's nothing more alpha than that. Social media is the safe space for trolls, and it has some glorious examples of owning libtards with meat-based gabs. Despite what carnivore diet proponent Dr. Sean Baker has to say about social media on his speech on YouTube called Evidence-Based Nutrition, quote, all the social media stuff, it's a landmine of knuckleheads and trolling and all this crazy stuff. That's about, that's about right. Liz Cheney, who we've all been wanting to know, what does she got to think about this? Oh, yeah. Liz Cheney jumped in the good fight for meat rights with her tweet in response to Cory Booker saying people should curb their meat consumption to help combat climate change. And here's her tweet. Quote, hey, at Cory Booker, I support PETA. People eating tasty animals. Oh, at Beef USA. Hashtag Wyoming Beef Country. He was owned. Whoa, clever woman. It's not just Twitter or Facebook, though. You can find fun examples of meat right activists trolling soy boys on TikTok for the young kids. One meat soldier posted to his TikTok account his brave act of meat defiance by downing a large bucket of KFC chicken wings in front of an animal rights protest. Oh, showed it, showed that. So that's fun. Libtard. Yeah. This would have been much more effective, though, if you would have 
you know what with like a red meat instead like mm, what are you yeah. fucking, poultry are you fucking kidding me yeah. let's be honest you aren't screaming masculinity eating delicate tiny poultry wings that barely have any white meat on them yeah like, i i i fully i completely agree with you brent raw steak out of a rusty bucket is really the optimal uh choice in this situation also if it's go- rotten too it would help oh if it was rotten that would be i mean you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna I don't want to push that on people. You know, I want to, you know, I'm, you know, I'm like Torba. I'm, you know, not as extreme. Uh, so I'm going to say raw steak, rusty bucket, go full Tulsi Gabbard, all white jumpsuit and just get all that blood and, and gristle all over your body. And that'll really show those libtards that you really enjoy wasting your time and you're probably unemployed. Also, I want to just tell the listeners just how bad this type of trolling is. Let's put it this way. Gordon Ramsay once tricked vegetarians into eating a meat soup. And this is the only thing he's ever apologized for. So let's just imagine <laughs> if Gordon Ramsay apologized for this, it's got to be pretty fucking yeah, bad. No kidding. Has to be. So according to an article in the New York Post, quote, the chicken trolls, reverent antics made quite the impression on TikTok, racking up more than two million views. And reactions such as, quote, not all heroes wear capes, some eat KFC, and, quote, so many triggered people. (laughs) (laughs) I added the last one, but yeah, you get the drift. (laughs) So stupid. But enough about these uneducated meat soldiers on social media. We need to hear from an expert on bed making and buckoism, Jordan Peterson. And Forrest has more to say about that. That's right. We're going to talk about the 12 rules for strife. (laughs) In the last episode, I went beyond Jordan Peterson with the all raw meat diet. Yeah. Beyond Jordan Peterson is Derek Nance. (laughs) I think that's the Nietzsche quote. But this time I'm going to scale it back from Nance to just Jordan Peterson with carnivorism where cooking is allowed. Forrest, you used to have standards. In a podcast episode with everyone's favorite self-transforming machine elf, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson tells Rogan that his daughter had battled a horrific autoimmune disease for most of her life, but that changed when she did her own research and went on a diet of just chicken and broccoli. This seemed to turn her life around, and so her father figured he'd try it himself to see if it would cure whatever it was that was fucking him up. And in what ways was this lobster fucked up? Not enough lobster in his diet? To understand the hierarchy, you must consume the hierarchy? I don't know. That's actually a very, very good theory. But you would think he would think that up. Also, I think that's the kind of natural evolution from Derek Nance is eating rotten human meat. Uh I really think that's, you know, that's the end (laughs) game. We We don't endorse here. Let's list the ways in which Jordan Peterson was fucked up. First off, he had terrible insomnia. And couldn't sleep for three weeks in January of 2016. Totally accurate. And the rare times he could sleep, Wait he was constantly snoring. Ooh. His right eye was full of floaters. He had gastric reflux disorder. He had psoriasis. But I think that's just normal lobster skin. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good point. He had gum disease. But worst of all, he couldn't eat anything. Quote, I can't eat anything because if I ate the wrong thing, it would knock me out for a a month. So I was trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with my diet. And I was feeling wretched. And so it was like if I, it was like wolves at the back door and crocodiles at the front door, something like that. 
And I think he means that his microbiome is so fucked that wolves were in his colon biome and crocodiles were in his mouth biome. Ooh, I think that's what yeah, he means. It is. Those, uh, those shouldn't be able to fit in those biomes. I would think. <laughs> they should not. Ooh, I can see. I can see why that's a problem. This all changed when Peterson switched to a strict diet of meat and greens only. Later on, Peterson would go on to only eating beef and salt, and that's it. No more greens. However, because of this, he found he had very little leeway when it came to cheating his diet. For example, on what he describes as the worst day of his life, by simply drinking apple cider while on an otherwise all-meat diet, Peterson claimed that this disabled him for a month and produced, (laughs) quote, an overwhelming sense of impending doom. That cost him another 25 days without sleep. Man, I'm really, I'm really glad that Peterson's the one who's going to save civilization. (laughs) A man who is incapacitated for nearly a month from drinking (laughs) apple cider. Wow. And I thought we were the bait. I thought we were the beta males. I could drink apple cider all day. Be perfectly fine. Joe Rogan asked Peterson how it can be possible to not sleep for 25 days. Peterson responds. I'll tell you how it's possible. You lay in bed frozen in something approximating terror for eight hours, and then you get up. I I have to say, something approximating terror is an excellent band name. Yes. (laughs) It's it's also what many high school students think the SAT stands for. Pretty good. Oh! Oh. Despite the carnivore diet seemingly making his non-meat food sensitivities a trillion times worse than they were before, the Peterson family is deadly serious about maintaining an all-meat lifestyle. God, you know, if only he hadn't wasted that time following his daughter's diet and adding broccoli with his meat, it was, it was a close call. Glad he made it through that difficult time. No, 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 no. The bro- broccoli is just a training wheel, Brent. It's just that little... Oh, like, okay, yeah. I see. That makes sense. It's so, it's so you're able to just assuage those little stupid fucking gut flora for just a little, a little longer before you destroy yeah. all of them. Drag him out. Just torture him a little bit. Yeah, exactly. According to an article from The Atlantic by James Hamblin, Jordan Peterson's daughter, Michaela Peterson, quote, seems to be reaching suffering people despite a lack of training or credentials in nutrition or medicine, and perhaps because of that distinction. Her Instagram bio reads, for info on treating weight loss, depression, and autoimmune disorders with diet, check out my blog or Facebook page. The blog, which is called Don't Eat That, says at the top that many, if not most, health problems are treatable with diet alone. Now, that's a pretty amazing claim, I got to say. Of course, Hamblin notes that the blog has a disclaimer at the bottom of the page that says that it's, quote, not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I don't see why not if you could treat most health problems with diet alone. It seems like a really good substitute. Exactly. Now, that may seem like fun and games, but Michaela's medical troubles were no laughing matter. Quote, Peterson described an adolescence that involved multiple debilitating medical diagnoses, beginning with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Some unknown process had triggered her body's immune system to attack her joints. The joint problems culminated in hip and ankle replacements in her teens, coupled with extreme fatigue, depression and anxiety, brain fog and sleep problems. In fifth grade, she was diagnosed with depression and then later something called idiopathic hypersomnia, which translates to English as sleeping too much of unclear cause, 
which translates further to, sorry, we really don't know what's going on. But I know what her problem is. It's obviously sentient fungi from Mars. This has to be it. Thankfully, she killed all of them. Michaela's carnivore diet, she claims, completely turned her life around and cured her of all her ailments. But how did she come to this conclusion? Hamlin tells us, quote, Peterson adopted a common approach to dieting, elimination. She started cutting out foods from her diet and feeling better each time. She began with gluten and she kept going, casting out more and more, not just gluten or dairy or soy or lectins or artificial sweeteners or non-artificial sweeteners, but everything until by December 2017, all that was left was beef and salt and water. And she told me, quote, all my symptoms went into remission. So strangely enough, for her at least, the carnivore diet seems to have drastically improved her health. She was even able to get off all her medications. So seems pretty clear cut that she cured herself of everything that was wrong with her. Or is she actually setting herself up for new medical complications down the road? (gasps) Hamlin notes, quote, there is so much evidence, abundant, copious evidence acquired over decades of work from scientists around the world that most people benefit from eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, and seeds. This appears to be largely because fiber, that menacing thing, in plants is important to the flourishing of the gut microbiome, shill, which none of us know anything shill, about. Shill alert. <laughs> I had a gut once what the gut wants, you know? And the gut does not want fiber. Your doctor is lying to you. Oh, that's, that's, that's true. Just as a sanity check, Hamblin reached out to some pointy-headed libtard experts with PhDs and shit to see if he was missing something. Upon hearing what the libtards had to say, Hamlin says his worst fears about the carnivore diet were not fearful enough. Quote, physiologically, it would just be an immensely bad idea. Jack Gilbert, the faculty director at the University of Chicago's Microbiome Center and a professor of surgery, told me during a recent visit to his lab, a terribly terribly bad idea oh uh yeah microbiome center like he's not under some host control (laughs) yeah whatever that's what's what's really going on so this host controlled libtard then goes into detail about just how terribly bad the idea is quote your body would start to have severe dysregulation within six months of the majority of the processes that deal with metabolism you would have no short chain fatty acids in your in your cells Most of the byproducts of gastrointestinal polysaccharide fermentation would shut down, so you wouldn't be able to regulate your hormone levels. You'd enter into cardiac issues due to alterations in cell receptors. Your microbiota would just be devastated. So the asshole microbiota die, but who gives a fuck? You rid yourself of host control, and now you're no longer 10% human, but 100% human. Exactly. And surely a 100% human body can grind all this meat intake, right? Well, according to Libtard Gilbert, there's an issue. Quote, the carnivore gastrointestinal tract is completely different from the human gastrointestinal tract, which is made up of a system designed to consume large quantities of complex fibers. Hamlin notes it's hard to distinguish what counts as an eating disorder and what counts as a diet causing your ailments disorder and that Michaela's extreme advocacy might play a role in enabling eating disorders. Michaela dismisses that as, quote, extremely disrespectful and, quote, blame the patient stuff. Oh, she's triggered. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. What a surprise. Trigger warning. I can't really think of any better way to end this podcast series than with how Hamlin ends his article. Quote, 
the allure of a strict code for eating, a way to divide the world into good foods and bad foods, angels and demons, may be especially strong at a time when order feels in short supply. Indeed, there is at least some benefit to be had from an from any and all dietary advice or rules for life, so long as a person believes in them and so long as they provide a code that allows a person to feel good for having stuck with it and a cohort of like-minded adherents. The challenge is to find a code that accords as best as possible with scientific evidence about what is good and bad with what is best for the world. Man, that's some beta talk right there. Beta bullshit. (sighs) So that concludes our extreme diets, part one and two. Forrest, Dylan, what did you guys learn? Anything stand out to you? Uh, I mean, for me, I can relate a lot to Michaela and Jordan Peterson in the sense that, and, you know, other people in this series, in that I developed horrible food sensitivities and I couldn't eat anything. But I think the, uh, the thing I've also learned is there's no such thing as a one thing diet cure-all. So this idea that you can develop some kind of diet plan, that's the longevity diet, or an all-meat diet is just perfectly healthy and wonderful for everyone. It's all just totally absurd. But I can definitely relate to people that develop horrible gastrointestinal problems and how horrific it is. I mean, it is something approximating impending doom or whatever Jordan (laughs) Peterson said. So... (laughs) I get it. I get it. And I feel for them. Just don't write stupid blogs. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think kind of along along with that, take just taking the population of the United States with around 330 million people where you're going to have folks who have very rare biological makeups where eating some kind of extreme raw or carnivore diet might be what's best for them. And even if it's very rare, there's still going to be millions of them. You know, if if one percent of people have some condition, that's three million Americans. And so I think it's easy for there to be people like, you know, maybe this Mona Stierski and maybe his wife and maybe Michaela Peterson, who this weird, bizarre diet is genuinely working for them. And then everyone else is so paranoid and so kind of just terrified about just their own personal weight problems or health problems that they gravitate towards it because they see it working for these other people. But it turns out, unfortunately, they just have weird body makeups. Mm. Yeah. And another another danger, especially since recently I've learned so much about the microbiome, could be that you have all these gastrointestinal problems because you got a bad biome and you got some kind of pathogens. But maybe what happens is you can starve them with the all-meat diet, but Maybe that helps in the short term, but in the long term, you might just be setting yourself up for colon cancer, you know, so that's another. Yeah, Yeah, definitely, because I mean, it's possible that if you're eating like the stand, I think they call it the standard American diet, the sad diet. It's possible that going from that to an all meat diet in the short term might be a healthier diet. Right. Um, I agree. (laughs) I actually agree with that. If you're just. You know, if you're just like eating tons of pizza and like fast food and and candy bars, you know, going from that to eating like whole cooked steaks every night is probably a short term improvement. It's probably better than, you know, what you were doing. And I see a lot of that also with kind of, uh, you know, talking about, you know, not needing medications, especially I think we talked about a little bit about this in the Bitcoin carnivore uh, bit that we did, you know, a while ago in the crypto series where. 
you know, people like I feel great. I can get off my medication. The problem is that medication, especially like psychiatric medication, stays in your body for like six weeks. And so you could be like, oh, I just got off my medication. But, you know, it takes a few months to really feel the difference when you stop taking medication. And so you could feel like, oh, man, I, I'm cured because I'm just eating you know, broccoli or I'm just eating uh, you know, steak or whatever. Right. I do. I have to say, I do kind of despise the way also like talking about vegan stuff, like how vegan stuff is sold as healthier, like automatically. It's like, no, like the, even like the fake meat burgers, like the impossible burger beyond burgers, you know, they, they have like higher cholesterol in some of them and a lot higher sodium levels and just actually Plus it's all meat. extremely <laughs> so it's highly like, processed. Yeah. Stuff it's too, really so. highly processed. Yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for lab grown meat. That's like my, my dream because I will oh, definitely yeah. eat every bit of prime rib uh, when they grow it in a lab because oh that's God. the best possible. I was going to say I was a vegan. I actually haven't been a vegan since January. I started slowly eating <gasps> oh sardines and some fish. I know. Sell out. You're Guys, a corporate don't chill. Kick me off the podcast. I was, I was the, <laughs> the old, old school vegan of the three of us. I was vegan for yeah, a few you years. Were. You know, and the thing is, it, it actually helped a lot at the time. But then eventually, it's funny that we were talking about this, it kind of uh, reversed. It kind of, I got suddenly more sick from a purely vegan diet. So yeah, uh, it's, so, yeah it's one of those things, right? Like your diet can help for a while, but and it helped me for a right. couple of years. But after a couple of years of doing it, it definitely, I was feeling weaker and more tired for sure. Yeah. I remember that. There's like, there is an element, like, of course, we're all talking about what makes you, what do you feel? What What's your diet like? How do you feel? And what's it, you know? How does it affect your life and how you feel? But to me, it's, it's all, it is true. Like it is, it does affect the planet, like how you get your food and what you're eating. So if you're eating local meats, like say you ate, you know, like if you're in the Midwest and you're eating like local deer meat that you've got, that's way, way, way better than eating an impossible burger, for example. It's just like for the planet. So your carbon footprint is a real thing. You should eat more locally, even if it's meat, that's, you know, if you're looking at it in that in that way, you know, yeah, less, I mean, there, way less greenhouse gases. Yeah, but. and there's also, I mean, there are grasslands that can't be converted into into just like regular farmland where you can grow corns or potatoes or whatever. Right. And so you can, but you can use that land to graze cows, for yep. example. Um, and so that can potentially be much more, much greener than, and, and potentially also much more actually much less animal suffering because I think the one thing that needs to be, we need to remind ourselves is that standard agriculture kills animals, even if it's just, you know, growing wheat or soy or what have you, because, you know, there's animals living in the soil when it gets plowed. And so it's all about, you know, it's, it depends on one. It depends on your body. It depends on your kind of your, where you live and all that kind of stuff. Um, And just so, it's almost like it's it's complicated. Almost like that. Almost. But all I know is fibers of menace, and that's what I've learned. So, and with that, we are down. Thank you for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a five dollar a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever your podcasts are served.